So in this episode, I'm gonna share with you the story of starting my own farm. So the big question is this, how do we live in more sustainable and regenerative ways? How can we tap into the ancient secrets of living in harmony with the sacred nature of life? How do we embody the interconnected web of life that thrives in abundance within each of us? That is the question, and this podcast will explore the answers. My name is Craig Hubbard, and welcome to Shambhala Living. Hi everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. So in episode four, we talked about finding my mentor, who was Jim, and coming across his farm and learning from him all the things that he knew about growing food in sustainable, organic ways. And I got to be there for a year as an apprentice and to learn as much as I possibly could. 12 months was not long enough. It was only kind of just the tip of the iceberg of what I needed to know. Um, But Jim retired and that made me have to come up with a a decision of do I give it all up or do I start my own farm and by then I'd come too far I'd realized that that the soil was the most important thing in in my life in all of our lives as as humans it's the one thing that underpins our entire civilization and I was I'd come to the awareness that we were running out of it fast and we were not treating it right and the majority of farmers were around the world saw soil as a inert, non-living substance, which to this day I find really strange. So they just saw soil as like dirt um, to prop up the plant, and then they would add chemicals and fertilizers to make the plant grow, which from an ecological or a sustainable, regenerative way that just is so backwards um, to think that the earth isn't capable of growing its own food and and having this abundant life community under the soil with the microorganisms so but a lot of this i i didn't know yet Uh, all i knew was how to plant the seedlings how to um, harvest certain crops how to do the the basics and we would just do that over and over at gyms and then the the day came for me to take the leap of faith and purchase my own farm and I bought a farm at Doonan and moved onto the farm and and before we'd even moved on there I was planting seedlings we moved on in a tent and we got planting straight away and we were taking the same system that I'd learned from Jim and we applied it to the the new farm and we started to take that produce to the farmers markets and everything was going really well. The system was working well. Everything I'd learned from Jim seemed to be holding up and, um, and it was working. However, each environment is very different than, than each other environment and we have to adapt and change and that's a big part of the sustainable regenerative growing mindset is we have to uh, respond to our environment and and we have to learn how to provide the the soil, the plants, with the 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 base elements, the base requirements, so that they could have everything they needed to grow. So I was um, kind of I was having some success, and then we we started taking more risks, and 
we we started planning out bigger and bigger amounts of field and i was i was thinking oh this is this is quite easy i you know just get the seedling at the time we were buying the seedling so i'd buy the seedling i'd prep the ground and i'd plant the seedling and wait six weeks harvest and take it to market and it was it was quite seemed quite easy and then the problems started coming in and so the, the probably the first big problem that came we we planted out over about 10,000 seedlings so we, we 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 geared ourselves up now to be all right we're, we're on we we had a, a nice little team that was supporting us and then then the rain came and it came hard and hard and kept coming and I woke up one morning and walked out into the field and the whole field was underwater literally underwater it was like a lake and I walked into the shed the shed was underwater like a foot underwater I hadn't like this is still quite early in our in our journey we hadn't even unpacked our all of our gear so I had books and um, clothing and and other stuff in personal items in the shed in boxes and just sitting on the floor and and they were all ruined everything was just was was totally ruined the flood had came this was um in 2012 we we would only been there about three months and we we'd had everything on the line and and it was it was gone and that was a big blow that was that that almost wiped me out um emotionally financially and i i just thought all right uh, it's too hard like jim's place didn't flood i've picked the wrong wrong place um you know I, i don't know what i'm doing i had all these doubts so the floods went away after about a week and and probably five to ten percent of the crops survived the rest of them just they just couldn't handle being underwater so and at at this stage the farm was when i bought it it was just a flat grassy paddock so the the growing part of the farm was five acres and then the other half of the farm was was natural bushland so this five acres was just flat grass you could see from one side to the other and there was no trees um, so we've added all sorts of banana trees and food forests and swales and different um, mechanisms to, to grow now but all of this came from the trials and error of me running my own farm and these first few years were really difficult to implement what I'd learned both in theory and a little bit of from from Jim but now I was doing it on my own and I was having to, to respond to my own, to the, the environment that I was in and also to the, to the soil that I had and the, the weather conditions. So I was aware that when we get rain, we would get half a meter in one storm. So half a meter is a lot of rain. Some places only get 100 mil for the whole year. Some places will get half a meter over the whole year, but we were getting half a meter in a week. In some cases, we were in some of our worst storms. We were getting half a meter in 48 hours, and we again we got wiped out three times by floods. Until I started to wake up, of like, all right, I've I've either got to give this thing up 
or figure out a solution. So that was the beginning of, of me taking what I'd learned or implementing what I'd learned from, from Jim's farm and then coupling that with my own study and my own knowledge and then also my own practice and trials and uh, failures and successes. And we started developing the Shambhala farm growing methods. So some of the other things that we we did then was we started to do swales. Swales are directing the water so that we look after the water in the, the natural catchments, but we also can direct it either away from our crops if it's getting too much or towards our crops if we, if we need to um, increase their water amount. In this case, we had too much water, so we were setting up levee banks around the whole farm, so we dug the dam deeper. We put a, a road right around the farm so we could access all of the, so from the, the dam spill, we put it around the farm, and that became the dam wall that would stop the floods coming in to the, to the main field, and that stretched over 500 metres of dam wall, we had a 20-ton excavator come in. I thought it was going to be a $2,000 job. It turned into a $20,000 job. Um, so, and, and none of the money that we had to pay these things was, was in bank or anything. By, by this time, I'd given up the business in Sydney. I'd given up the house that, that we were, we'd moved up to in Queensland. So the only source of income now was the farm. This was 100%. Uh, I wasn't doing any magic anymore. So any time that we had wages or uh, improvements to make, we had to do it by actually figuring out how to grow produce and market it and sell it so that we could actually bring in income and and improve the property. And so that was a big, big learning curve. We went through um, understanding how to put minerals into the soil naturally, how to make composts, improving the soil life with the compost. We sorted out our, our um, flood system now. We diverted the water. We had channels taking the water away from our crops. And then the ducks came. So they were coming to land on the dam, which we just created for them. And then they were walking into the field and they were munching down thousands of lettuces in or, or crops um, in one night so we would wake up after planting you know thousands of seedlings which would take hours and hours with with a group of us and then the next morning we would wake up and they were eaten down to stumps and, and that was really heartbreaking so so then we were learning okay so pest control we were using covers row covers then we were looking at different ways where we could attract them to other crops. So we started to find out about uh, sacrificial crops for both our bug control and our ducks. So we would plant things like wombox and things that, that we knew they loved. They loved the cos lettuce, the ducks. Um, so we would plant rows of cos lettuce and for them to eat. And then we would also plant cabbages so the the bugs would go for that first and they we started to see things working we started to say oh, okay so when we do that this happens when we do that this happens when we feed the soil somehow when this when the plant was healthy it repelled the bugs and now this these concepts are maybe a little 
out there for some people, but the way I've come to understand it over these years is that we as humans have this immune system and so do to the plants and when we're healthy we're emitting an energy and it's a it comes out in a pulsing of energy and, and it comes out as photons and it's a harmonious flow of energy coming out when there's a sick plant it starts putting out a more staccato energy and that can be picked up by the bugs so this is nature doing its job to say there's a sick plant we don't want it just sitting here rotting. We need it to be taken down and we need it to be taken down efficiently. So nature sends in its pest control and its digesters and they will come and annihilate the plant, eat it down in, and turn it back into soil and let it transform. So it, actually what we started to see is the problems became the solutions. We started to see that the pest problem is telling us something. It's telling us that we have something wrong with our plant and therefore if we've got something wrong with our plant we've got something wrong with our soil so we started doing soil tests and starting learning about the minerals and the microbes in the soil the soil particle size the air spacing we started to realize that our our soil was too waterlogged it had a lot of clay in it we started to see that that was our predominant soil was clay so we started to open up the soil with broad forks we started to bring in organic matter to bring the air back in and then the food source for the microbes there was not many worms in the soil we couldn't just bring worms to the soil we have to make the environment happy for them and then they will naturally come and they don't want to go in waterlogged clay soil so then bringing the organic matter into the soil in the form of composts that started to bring the worms back into the soil by doing using the fork or the broad fork to dig um, down through the hard pan that was also um, aerating the soil without destroying the soil structure so a big part of this journey for me was understanding that soil was the the primary thing that I needed to learn and to work with in order to grow better food and and that's still the journey I'm on but what I've found in these last 10 years is there is a set of fundamentals that we can do to improve even the worst soil so when I was at Jim's he'd already done his improving over 10 to 15 years and he'd been there growing on this beautiful um, rich volcanic soil so it was easy he didn't have a lot of problems when i got to see this i i didn't actually have to overcome many problems in that time of my life i only got to see what are the the main things that we do to plant and keep the cycle going when we've got a healthy soil system coming to the new farm i had to start with a different soil much more compact soil uh, way less life in the soil so we had to bring that life to the soil and and that brought me to two studies i i went and studied sustainable agriculture and what i learned is we can go down this really technical path of understanding all the different minerals in the soil and getting them right and i and i did do that we we started to take soil tests each year send them to the soil laboratory in lismore we'd find out where we're deficient and then we would add those amendments but it became a very um 
you know a very scientific process and that's not my forte i like to to do things by feel and understand um nature by responding to to how it responds to to what i'm putting out there and so the so when i was in this course it, it came down to like days of learning about all these mineral deficiencies and how to do this and how to put that in it was all organic but it was still this scientific process which was is is great and it's there it's a body of knowledge on the other side it was like or if you don't want to do that do compost do mineral um, rock dust put seaweed put these natural um, soil life foods out and they will do the job for you and i was like oh let me i'll do that one please it, that seemed way more aligned with holistic thinking regenerative thinking and it was also mimicking what nature already does so so then we set out on this journey to really understand compost rock dust and how we can add the, the minerals back into our soil and the give the soil the structure that it needs and and these were the the trials and the failures and successes that we had over many years to finally get to a point where we could take any part of our soil and we could transform it over a period of time and that depending on how much compost we could apply and how much soil food that could take anywhere from uh, 12 weeks to six months and then we started to find out other things like the rain just kept coming and it kept getting harder and harder every year and and most of our crops were all ankle high crops you know lettuces and bok choys pak choys spring onions radishes carrots all the cabbage family even the kales are all very low crops and every time the rains would come even though we'd got these flood banks on they the rain just still annihilated them because we were still in this process of transforming the the soil giving it more depth and aeration and organic matter and then i started to to look at other parts of the world where they had really high rainfall and one of those was in costa rica that i got to go and visit and i learned about this way of growing that was known as syntropic or food forest and also known as agroforestry or agricultural forestry so mixing the forest and agriculture which is typically these small crops and putting them together with these larger crops that um, we call here on the farm we call them food forests so we started implementing different levels different layers and understanding what I'd, I'd read about in the books and seeing it in in the fields now how when we started putting trees in the roots would dig down and they became the soil aerators so having both small crops and larger crops we started putting bananas in arrowroots cassava we started creating our own mulches from these plants so we'd grow fast they love the high rainfall then in other areas that didn't get any rainfall and some of our other crops just weren't handling it then we started to trial other crops in there and they they thrived they were they wanted dry feet they didn't want wet feet and then we started to see and map out 
oh, all these different things. This one goes well in this dry area. This one goes, this one loves the clay. This one loves to be in water and it can be totally immersed in water. We started finding things like water spinach and all these different ways and plants that were actually adaptable to our environment, to our local environment, rather than me just applying this one style onto the environment that I had, it was being much more adaptive. So then over all this, this time, we've been documenting what works in which area and how do we improve the soil, Australian soil and, and also around the world. The mineral content has been depleted because it's been farmed for, for so many years without being fed back with the minerals. And this is the big one is that we've, over the time, we've lost our soil life, which is our soil workers, our little microbes, and our deep-rooted plants. So those are the things that dig down deep into the, the earth and mine the earth for the minerals and bring them up naturally, rather than us having to go and um, actually dig holes in the earth in mines and, and take these minerals out to apply to our agriculture fields. Nature had all the answers. All we had to do was study nature. So we had this big forest out the back, which was untouched, and we got to see how, wow, what, how, how does it, it looks like it's thriving in there. It's happy, it's healthy. What, how can we bring some of that out into the fields, um, the, the, the understanding? So the, the mulching was one of the big things that we, we learned in there that in the forest, the, the, the trees are constantly mulching the earth. So they're covering the earth and underneath that mulch, it, it retains the moisture, gives food to the soil life. And then under that is full of life, full of worms and all sorts of micro bacteria that we can't actually see. But these are healthy bacteria, fungi in the soil that we give the name as um, microorganisms. And they are the source of life for our entire planet to thrive. Mixed with, they get the fed by the plants. So when we have different levels, layers of plants or strata in our garden, the plants are converting the sunlight, the energy, into a form, a chemical form we call it, that goes down down the plant stem, down into the roots, and then it exudes that through its plant roots and that feeds the soil life. So this combination of holistic farming where we've got plants that and we're fostering the life for the microbes by giving it mulch giving it a nice um, organic matter through the mulch and through compost then we are applying some minerals rock dust with basalts and granite they have over 100 minerals that we need for our body to function and the way we can get them into our body or well, we need to put them into our food system we need to put them into our soil so we can bring minerals in a very small amount only a handful per square meter to our soil applied with compost applied with mulch on the top and then bringing so that we've got our life we've got our home and our for our microbes and then bringing the plants to the top of that so that our 
leaves are bringing that transferring that energy from the sun down through the roots and then there's a coexistence between the microbes and the plant roots and that's what grows our plants so the microbes will bring minerals and different things that the plant requires and in exchange they get fed with plant sugars so that's that's what plants are converting that sunlight into sugars for both its own growth but it also needs minerals it has to get the minerals from the soil it gets the minerals from the soil by the microbe colony and ecosystem so once we started to find this out over years of trial and error then we started to see patterns and we started to bring it down into simpler and simpler forms so that we could share that with others and today we've got that down into a such a simple form that we've seen this now transform even bare hard ground into the most beautiful microbe rich life in the soil so that we can grow plants in what was soil dead zones and the thing that we have to understand is once we kill the, the soil life then we we start to lose our topsoil because it starts to break down it starts to erode, dries up, turns to dust, then the wind blows it away. So that's why it needs to be brought to life with plant matter and microbes in a harmonious environment so that it can stay there and thrive and it doesn't blow away when a big wind comes or a big rainstorm comes. So when we study nature in the forest, they're resilient. They can handle and they will adapt and respond to the changes of weather but when we start to mess up the system then it doesn't respond and and that's what we're seeing around the world agriculture systems are failing and farms are, are losing their their ability to grow and so many like i'm i'm talking 80 percent of of our food stock is being still grown by by soil that is not fostered for life it's actually been fed with synthetic chemicals and then pesticides and herbicides so that they can at least get a crop so we're living on the edge of this very thin thing that is is in no way has resilience built into it because it's um very unstable system when we we kill off our soil life so we can bring that back and that's what we've been been learning and there's so many books out there so many youtube um, channels telling you what to do and how to do this but what i found was not many people were actually putting into practice so that's what this farm became to me was the the place where we could actually research develop put into practice and learn from the greatest teacher of all which is nature and has become my greatest teacher now so whenever i have a problem on the farm i first ask what is it saying like okay there could be a bug okay the bug is right now the problem that i want to remove but what is it a symptom of high chances if you've got pest problems then if if we come and diagnose your soil we'll probably see that there's um, a structural problem and the soil life is not happy because when the soil life is happy then our plants are going to be happy or we've got plants in the wrong environment we've got plant that likes wet feet in a dry spot or we've got plant that likes to be dry in a wet spot so a big part of it is is trial and error but you don't need to spend the years trialing and erroring we've we've done that for you 
and now I can see what works and what doesn't work and and that's what we'll share during this podcast. So that just gives you a little bit of a story of of our journey here on on Shambhala Farm. A little bit of the aspect of how I came to understand the Shambhala food growing system, how we put that together. And there's a lot more to it than than, than that. But um, I'll leave this episode for now and we'll, we'll come back and share some more stories in another episode. All right, thanks for listening and I'll see you soon. Hey everyone, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Shambhala Living Podcast. If you enjoyed it, then I'd love it if you would share it with some friends and subscribe to this channel and turn on notifications so you can find out when the next podcast comes out. You can find us at Instagram at Shambhala Farm and also check out our upcoming 12-week food growing course. You can find out more details on our newsletter list or on Instagram. I'll see you on the next episode.